Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. All right, John, well, welcome back to winter. Yes, it's cold. It has. It's been a cold week, you know, but I mean, we needed a little bit of cold weather. She is. I mean, yeah. it was kill some of the bugs. It's crazy. Some of the 75 degree weather we were having. So uh, we need to kill some bugs. So, yeah, I mean, you know. And still okay. have a little football hanging on there. Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Up. Yeah, that'll be exciting. None of my teams are in it, but hey, you know, I mean, what is it? The 49ers and the uh, the Chiefs? Chiefs. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll be a almost, good game. It's almost a pick them. So, it, yeah, it should be pretty competitive. Two great, great teams. So that's interesting. And speaking of interesting, we have a couple of interesting shows lined up for today or segments that we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the four financial fallacies um these are kind of like myths but we've used that term a lot so i didn't mm-hmm. want to call it that mm-hmm. so uh but you know these are things that you know people tend to hang on to beliefs about money and um you know they're, they're just wrong and so we want to correct that because they're very common these are things that you know, people just you, you, we just we sit down with people every day that that have these kind of set in beliefs about money, and they they can wreck your future. So we want to cover those; those are important. Then we'll follow that up with um, cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. You don't hear about that very much, man. It, a year ago, it was all the rave. Um, you know, because it was taken off in Dublin and so forth. And this is an article out of the Ramsey organization, just kind of going back and revisiting you know, what is cryptocurrency and then, you know, should you or should you not invest in it? And, you know, whether it's cryptocurrency or some other hot topic, there's going to be another hot product come out in six months. And, you know, these things yeah. are a lot of times fads. Um, sometimes they stick around, but they're very volatile and, and risky. That's right. So well, whatever we say today about cryptocurrency, you can just ditto that for the next big fad that comes out. Yeah. But uh, but no, it is a very interesting topic, you know, and, and it, it is hanging around. I mean, the cannabis industry is another one you hear it, people talking a lot about. I know. heard a lot of that about a year ago, and yep. that, that's cooled down, too. But um, yeah, very interesting topic. So it's not that's, smoking hot anymore. That's for sure. That's for sure. No, no, we're not. We're not high on cannabis anymore. No. That's for sure. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I'm Steve Marbert, and I'm a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 24 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for, gosh, it's like 27 years now. Yeah. Long time, man. We're it getting ad- old. It adds up. It adds up. We're dating ourselves here. Yes. But, uh, yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the uh, podcast. Also, a lot of tools out there. Retirement calculators, some other good forms that you should go check out. Facebook page is MoneyMD. Go check that out as well. Yep, and you can link to us right off our website, MoneyMD.net. We'd love to hear from you, so just link to us and uh, let us know your questions, and we'd love to address those here on the show. Um, all right, and that leads us up here to our financial fact of the week. Yeah, uh, you know, there is a reason why the, the Ramsey organization and folks like us um, really encourage you to get out of credit card debt. The average credit card rate, Steve, is about 16%. I mean, we see wow. in yeah. the 20s as well. I've seen, you know, 29%. When you get into uh, the payday loans, those are like 300 400%. So you got to be careful with credit cards. 16%, you're paying someone else. Um, that payment would be about 400 bucks, um, per month if you had a $16,000 balance and about half of that payment would be going to interest. So it's just, it's so just half of that's just wasted. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, the point is you, you never want to hold credit card debt. I mean, it's one thing if you're disciplined and you can, 
you know, you can make your expenses and pay it off every single month and get your get your cash back or your 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 bonus points. But, uh, you know, for heaven's sake, don't don't run up. Don't keep a credit card balance and don't just throw that interest payment away because it's always high. It's a vicious cycle. It really is. It really is. You got to break it. And the key to breaking that is having an emergency fund. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, without a doubt, every time we sit down with somebody, I ask them how much they have in cash and savings. And if that number is substantially positive, I know they don't have credit card debt, and it and it turns out to be a fact. If that number is very very low, then I ask them how much the credit card debt is, and it's always significant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you see direct that too. correlation. Yep. Absolutely. So a good fact of the week. All right, and that brings us up to our first topic here, and that is the four financial fallacies. Um, yeah, these come out out of a Fidelity Viewpoints um, recent article, and it's kind of based on. But, John, you know, there's no shortage of kind of bad financial information out there, you know, and I mean, and it's easy to fall for it. And, um, you know, some of it can severely hurt your future. Um, it could be something you grew up with, just kind of believing because your parents kind of fell for it and, and uh, you know, lived with that. Or it could be, you know, that others kind of steer you in the wrong direction. I, I see people that come in with ideas that they've, you know, heard from their neighbors, or their family or something um, sometimes that fall in that category. Or it could be something that you kind of tell yourself simply because you want to believe it's true. You know, a lot of times we kind of kid ourselves about things that we we think are true or want to believe true. Um, but whatever the reason, believing in these kind of common fallacies or misconceptions will be hazardous to your health and they're going to hurt your bottom line. So here's the truth behind four of these common lines of financial misinformation. So the first one here is, that good debt is okay to maintain forever. Mm. You know, <laughs> wrong. It is wrong. I mean, we do we do hear it though. You know, I mean, and it's true that there are certain types of debt like mortgages and student loans, which can help you get started in life and achieve your personal goals. Um, and it's also true that as long as you pay off your credit card balance every month, you know, you avoid interest. You avoid, and you know, if you're making purchases with your credit card, you can get rewards or cash back that helps you increase your credit score. Um, but as we just talked about, if you don't pay it off, then, you know, it's a totally different story and you're throwing money away. Um, but even, you know, these kind of refer often referred to good debts, um, you know, that, that maybe fund an investment or a home or an education, um, even though they can eventually be beneficial, they also have a downside. Yeah, they always come with a cost. I mean, it's kind of like dragging an anchor uh, while driving down the road. It's going to slow you down. It's going to eat into your gas mileage. And maintaining that you know debt long term and carrying debt into retirement is also not a good idea. Um, debt should always be thought as a temporary tool, which carries significant risk. And uh, you want to try to dispose of it as soon as you can. So the sooner you can get debt-free, and purchase everything with cash, the sooner you're going to be on the the road to uh, prosperity and, and, you know, some financial peace. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, debt's always got to be a temporary tool. Um, and so don't fall in the trap of refinancing your, financing your home out 30 years every time you move or refinance. Um, we see people do that, you know, and it's, they just don't even think about it. You know, they refinance to get lower payment but yet they put another 30-year term on it and, uh, you know, and they, they have were five years into it or 10 years into it 
and now you've stressed your mortgage back out. Um, you can't think of debt that way. It has to always have a term, and you have to stick to that term. So pay extra in your mortgage. Refinance it to a shorter term if you ever refinance or move. Don't get trapped into that <clears throat> that cycle of stretching it out. And also don't get trapped into the car loan more than once. You know, I mean, if you if you owe a lot on your car, you might need to consider selling it and buying something more used that you can pay for with cash. Um, but set up a car fund. Start saving that new payment into the car fund now so that in five years you're going to have cash to pay for that car and for every car thereafter. All you have to do is get ahead once mm-hmm. with with the car fund, and then you'll always have the cash there to buy your new car in five years. Um, so you got to get that in place. And, uh, you know, in talking about college loans, I mean, go to college locally or commute and live at home for at least the first first couple of years. Um, you know, have a plan to get your education with minimal or no debt um, and get your first degree locally. Totally. You know, just go locally for your degree, if you will, and then maybe go back, get an MBA or a master's later online. You know, if you want to um, you want to kind of beef up your, your resume um, and, and, you know, but just don't don't fall in that trap of that you have to go to this certain school or you have to go. <clears throat> away to college and you have to rack up, you know, 100,000, 200,000 of debt that we have seen, we see occasionally. I mean, after all, your degree only gets your foot in the door after the first few years. It's your performance that creates your future, not the emblem on the top of your diploma. Yeah, I agree 100%. Dave Ramsey says he's never hired someone because of where they're from. I think that's the way most people look at it, right? It's your accomplishment. So absolutely. That's a great, uh, great piece of advice. Another one here is, Another fallacy is it's not worth saving if you can only contribute a small amount. And that's simply not true. It's important to start early, but if you can start putting in $500 a month or just some amount, um, you know, after 40 years, if you earn 10% on that in a Roth, you can have millions of dollars tax-free. That's right. That's a big deal. So that credit card fact that we talked about, that payment, if you're putting it into a Roth account, it can do magical things over time based on what we've seen historically. And so start with what you can and try to work up to 15% of your paycheck. Maybe you start off with 1% or 2% and you increase it every single year until you get to that 15%. And it, it sounds like a lot, so don't lose motivation if you can't save that much. But also don't be discouraged if you start later and with a smaller amount. So you got to start right now. you got to start gradually increasing that. I mean, building wealth, is, is it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but you got to start, and you got to start now. Yeah, I mean, it's all about building momentum and getting your life headed in the right direction. Um, So save as much as you can where you're still able to pay for essentials like rent, you know, your bills, your groceries. But think of it this way. You know, it's like running a marathon, um, you know, and that's an impressive achievement. But that doesn't mean that a three-mile run isn't worthwhile, you know. it's you got to start somewhere, and that's a great place to start. So work up to a full contribution over time. But start now by saving whatever you can um, into your Roth IRA or your 401k and work up from there. I mean, if you just started with 1% of your pay right now and you increase that by 2% every year when you get a raise, you'd be at 11% in just five years. You know, you add an employer match to that and you'd be there. You'd be at, at Dave's 15%. So, you know, most likely. So it's just that simple. You got to start today and you got to start building some momentum um, but it's worth starting with whatever you can. Um, the next one here, John, is that the stock market is too risky at the current levels. 
Yeah. You know, I to invest that. in. I start hearing that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it is true. I mean, the market's at new highs and, you know, it will take a correction at some point. No doubt about that. Um, you know, there's always the risk of a correction. But the truth is the stock market is always more likely to move higher than not, um, even at new highs. When you start looking at it statistically over time, you look at different points, studies have shown that the odds of making a better return are in your favor in the stock market compared to fixed income. And studies have shown that the risk of a correction does not go up after you've made new highs. In fact, the opposite is actually a little bit true. Um, there's a slight momentum factor in stocks that which tends to favor higher returns shortly after new highs. Um, but those tendencies are small. I mean, in general, the stock market is unpredictable. Um, but it goes up around 70% of the time, and it declines around 30% of the time, you know, year by year. So the odds are more, you know, for positive returns. And, and when you're in the market, that's always the case. So you got to put the odds on your side. So stop trying to time the market, trying to guess the next up move or down move. Um, you simply need to invest at the risk level you're comfortable with, stay diversified, prepared to ride out any future downturns so that you can benefit from the positive results the stock market has proven to deliver over history. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And um, the last one here, Steve, on the, the fallacies is uh, there's no way of knowing how much money you'll need in retirement. And, you know, sure, it's going to depend on your situation and, and what you plan to do with uh, that money and your, your goals and hobbies and so forth. Um, but, you know, it's pretty likely that your lifestyle could change uh, and will change dramatically between age 25 and 65. So it may be hard to picture how you're going to live in retirement or how much money is going to be required. So, you know, there's some guidelines that we see, um, you know, a lot of different types of budgets and so forth. It'll give you a pretty good idea of where to start. So the the key is, is to aim to save at least 15% of your pre-tax income every single year. Um, and to see if you're on track, here's some financial guidelines. Aim to have saved at least one time your income at age 30, three times your income at age 40, seven times your income at age 55, and about 10 times your income at, at retirement. And of course, everybody's situation is unique and you'll, you know, you may find that you need to save more or less in this suggestion based on a retirement plan, but it's a rule of thumb. That's right. It's just a rule of thumb, you know, and don't worry about it if you're not on track with those, you know, kind of rules of thumb. I mean, you start saving, saving consistently is the key, increasing your contributions when you're able and investing for growth in a diversified mix of investments. You know, that's going to help you catch up over time. Um, the important thing is to keep saving, keep investing no matter what life's throw at throws at you um, through the course of your career. You know, and once you get in your 40s, it's time to have a solid retirement plan in place with uh, estimates of what you might really need in retirement and how much income you might actually have based on your current trajectory. Um, of course, you know, we'd suggest you get help with that from a financial planner and get a real plan in place to make sure you're on track. Um, you know, because that, that plan needs to take take um, inflation into account um, along with your Social Security and your pensions. And it needs to configure, you know, how much you're going to contribute to your overall picture, how much you need to continue to add to it. Um, it also needs to show several scenarios at different rates of return to give you a complete picture of how much return you're going to need um, to make that work. And then also it's important to see what the probability of your plan is for survival to age 95 or later, you know, under real stock market volatility. 
since the amounts of up and down, ups and downs in the market does affect the results when you're withdrawing money from it. You know, of course, this kind of plan's difficult to create on your own, but you can get started, you know, by visiting our website, in fact, at investrya.com. You can look under resources, financial tools, then retirement calculator. Um, you know, we have a tool there that will run a snapshot of your, your retirement. Um, and it's a good first look of kind of where you stand. Um, but should be sure to follow that up with a complete plan in place to make sure you're on track because you definitely need to know, you know, how much you're going to have in retirement and how much you need to save to get there. Um, so good topic. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. This question came from a, a client meeting recently and, um, just, you know, just actually it was a, someone coming into our business with a couple million dollars of investments and they had a life insurance policy, about a hundred thousand dollars. And the question was, is do I need, am I self-insured? And, um, based on their age, the answer was yes. The hundred thousand doesn't yeah. really move the needle. Uh, very right. much in their situation, but there could be some cases if the person was, you know, 80, 85, that maybe it would be wise to hold on to it. So you have to evaluate it. But, you know, if you have a couple million dollars in the bank, a hundred thousand dollar policy really doesn't make a lot of difference um, at the end of the day, just to, you know, the overall financial security. Yeah. Whenever somebody has substantial assets like that, I like to start looking at insurance policies as an investment and thinking, okay, you don't really need it for your survivor income. But, you know, it may be a good investment for your heirs, for your kids, right? So, you know, then you need to start looking at how much money will you put into it at to the end of your life expectancy and how much is the death benefit going to be and, you know, will it survive? Um, and so if you look at it, kind of do a re- rate of return analysis on it, um, then that gives you a good idea of should you keep this policy for your heirs, for your kids, or should you stop putting money in it and cash this policy out? Um, that's the way I like to look at those type policies. But, yep. yeah, it's a great question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is the things you need to know before investing in cyber currency. Yeah, Or, or maybe, you, maybe you just need to know not to do it, John. Yeah, well, that's probably one of the takeaways from this. <laughs> this is uh, Chris Hogan's article from the Ramsey Organization, and, um, you know, whether it's you know, the cannabis industry or cryptocurrency or whatever the hot, you know, topic is Tesla is out there. People are all over it. Um, mm-hmm. You got to be careful. And, you know, if you've traveled to a different country, um, you know, maybe you had to take some different currency from uh, from the from the local bank there to get the local currency. And, um, you know, investing in cryptocurrency is similar to exchanging your money in a new country. So there's Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin, Ether are a few examples of foreign currencies that work in very specific um, context within the online communities. And exchanging any type of currency really is built upon, you know, the basic um, value of shared trust. So we value dollars and euros because we know we can take that piece of paper and go buy goods and services. But just to kind of go back and revisit, what is a cryptocurrency? Yeah. So what is cryptocurrency? Well, it is a digital asset. Uh, it's a digital currency that people use as investments or for purchases online. But mostly we see people wanting to invest in it, you know, I think more so than than purchases. Um, so you exchange real currency like dollars into coins or tokens of a given cryptocurrency. And there are many different kinds of cryptocurrencies, John. I mean, Bitcoin's only the starter of it. It's the most famous, of course. But there's Ether, there's Bitcoin Cash, there's uh, Litecoin, there's Ripple, 
Um, there, there are a lot of them. There's like over 1,500 Bitcoin, uh, different types of cryptocurrencies. Wow, a, a crazy number of them out there. So all sorts of big tech financial companies, you know, want a slice of that pie. So, you know, even Facebook has created a cryptocurrency called Libra. Yeah. There you go. Everybody yeah. has one. Yeah, and I think, um, does it, there's another one out there. I forget which company. Does Amazon have something now? Yeah, I mean, I heard there was even a fast food. Last time I looked in this, it was a fast food company that created like cryptocurrency, crypto something. burger, crypto burgers, or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you, know, you don't have to have anything to do that. You can, you there's nothing behind these. Yeah, the word um, cryptography means the art of writing or solving code. So each coin really is a u- unique line of code. They can't be duplicated, um, which makes them easy to track and identify it as they're traded. So you probably heard people of making or even losing, you know, a lot of money investing in these cryptocurrencies. And it's, it kind of feels like a modern day gold rush. Um, but it's been around for about 10 years. I mean, it's surprising. I know we've talked to Josh about this. He remembers it from a number of years ago yeah. as well. So um, so how does cryptocurrencies work? Well, they're exchanged from person to person uh, on the web without a middleman. There's no banks or government involved in it. So it's kind of like the wild, wild west of the digital world. And there's really no one watching it and marshalling it to make sure that the the law is upheld. So um, it's kind of like, have you ever hired a, a kid in your neighborhood to, to mow your lawn while you're out of town and um, you paid him cash? And, um, you know, you didn't need to go to the bank for a formal transaction. Um, and that's kind of like what it is for the exchange cryptocurrencies. They're decentralized. So no government, no bank controls are in there, which is what scares a lot of people uh, right. about cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I mean, if you're scared of online banking, you you may want to stay away from these, <laughs> you know, because these are are the uh, the extreme view of, of online banking where there's nothing behind. I mean, it is really out there, and there have been some large fraud cases, you know, dealing with cryptocurrencies that I've read about, you know, in the recent future, recent past. Um, but, you know, anyway, though, as a result, though, cryptocurrencies are worth whatever people are willing to pay for them or exchange for them. Um, now, hang with me. I mean, you know, there are uh, we're because we're about to get a little techie here. I mean, the store, your store, you store your cryptocurrencies in a digital wallet. They're usually in an app um, through a vendor where you purchase the coins. So your wallet gives you a private key. It's a unique code that you enter um, in order to digitally sign off on your purchases. And it's mathematical proof that the exchange was legitimate. Now, cryptocurrencies, they operate on what's called blockchain technology. Um, And a blockchain is really like kind of a a really long receipt that keeps growing with each exchange. And it's a public record of all the transactions that have ever happened in a given currency. And that receipt gets verified by a whole bunch of users on the system. So it's kind of distributing the verification process of the transactions. Yeah. And today, most people are using these cryptocurrencies really as an investment, right? Um, There's a lot of volatility in it, but there are online retailers such as overstock.com who accept these cryptocurrencies. And and of course, any two individuals who value the tokens can exchange them for for goods and services. Um, Some major retailers such as Whole Foods and Nordstrom, they're experiencing um, with accepting Bitcoin as a valid source of payment. But really, I mean, cryptocurrencies are still on the fringe. I know the government and banking worlds um, are really trying to control this because they lose, yes. they basically lose their 
you know, the control and the being able to marshal, um, you know, the, the, uh, the asset associated with it. So here's four things that, um, you need to know before investing in, in currencies, in this cryptocurrency. And, um, the first one, Steve, I think a lot of people know about is they're very volatile. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, they, they really define the, the definition of volatility. I mean, cryptocurrencies, swing wildly. The value of cryptocurrencies go through extreme ups and downs. In 2017, the value of Bitcoin swung between $900 a coin to $20,000 a coin. Um, and I think now it's, what, somewhere in the 13, well, I think about $10,000? Yeah, it's I haven't looked at it much recently. less than 20. Much less than 20. It's less than half, I think. So, you know, I mean, yeah, someone sneezes and the price drops, you know. Investing in cryptocurrency is very risky, to say the least. I mean, of course, all the current investing carries a degree of risk, but, you know, you should always avoid unnecessary risk. And when it comes to, you know, cryptocurrency, there is a ton of unnecessary volatility, I believe. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to... You don't want to play poker with your financial future here. Definitely not. And another another kind of fact about cryptocurrencies, there's still a lot unknown. Um, you know, think about it. No one even knows who the founder of Bitcoin is. And relatively speaking, only a small percentage of people in the world really understand the system and how it operates. So ignorance makes you vulnerable and uh, scams can happen. And so we advise people that, you know, if you can't explain your investments to a 10-year-old, then you have no business investing with them. And uh, you're really setting yourself up to get scammed or doing something that's not going to be beneficial for your financial future. Yeah, that's exactly right. Another uh, uh, fact about cryptocurrencies is they can be used for fraudulent activity. I mean, there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes here. So people who want to remain anonymous, you know, and avoid regulation from banks or governments, they'll use cryptocurrencies to make shady deals on the black market. Uh, money laundering is also a problem in the crypto world. I mean... You know, so, I mean, we're not saying that everyone who uses cryptocurrency is a bad person, but we are saying that, you know, if someone wants to commit a criminal activity and avoid being, you know, tracked, a crypto world is an ideal place for them. Um, you know, so there's a lot of fraudulent activity going on, and, and I've heard of some huge scams where somebody got access to their wallet, um, their digital wallet, and, you know, has lost, you know, even millions of dollars to these things. Yeah, and these cryptocurrencies, they, Steve, they really have an unproven rate of return. I mean, it's like gambling. Um, you know, it's exchange peer-to-peer. There's no regulatory standards. There's no pattern of the rise and the fall associated with it. Uh, you can't predict changes or calculate returns like you can with most, you know, stock funds and, and stocks and so forth. There's just not enough data or credibility to really, you know, include this in your investing plan. And so the question is, is should you invest in it? Yeah, well, I'll say one thing before you jump into that. One more fact about cryptocurrency is the government does not, re- the IRS does not recognize it as a currency. Therefore, if you if you buy cryptocurrency and you sell it for a profit later, technically that's a capital gain. And if you don't report it on your tax return, then you're committing tax fraud. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, just something to be aware of. You're not going to get a 1099 for it. So, you know, doing get involved in cryptocurrency is a dangerous tax game as well. Yeah, so we get asked this all the time. Should I invest in, in X, Y, and Z cryptocurrency, the cannabis industry? You know, if you have... You know, everything lined up. You could put a little bit into these, but we've seen people, you know, put their entire 401k or taking out big loans to put it in cryptocurrency. That's just so risky. You just don't want to do that. Um, the The National Study of Millionaires found that the number one wealth building tool of millionaires uh, in their workplace, and this was the study done by the Ramsey organization, was the 401k. 
Absolutely. Right? <clears throat> yeah. So 401k, you're investing in, you know, stocks of companies around the world. So uh, generally, I would say steer clear of cryptocurrencies and, and these other, you know, hot trends um, because they're risky, they're volatile. And, you know, when you think about your financial situation, you don't have to hit home runs in order to be successful. You, you need singles and doubles and you need to be very consistent, and have emergency funds. That's what wins long term. So don't don't go out on a limb and uh, take too much risk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the wild, wild west out there with cryptocurrencies. Yeah. You want to stay away from that for sure with your, your serious money. And I'd, I'd say with any money for that matter. So good, uh, good, good sobering topic. All right. And that leads up here to our final thing. And that is the prescription of the week. Yeah. So uh, 2020, it's amazing how many people we sit down with that don't have wills or updated wills. And so you need to get a will in 2020. A new study found uh, uh, over half of adults say they don't even have a will in place. Yeah, and that's, that's a big huge. Deal. That's huge. You got to have a will, you know, so that even if you even if you think you're going to avoid probate and you have beneficiaries on everything, you still need to have a will to pick up the residual assets in your in your in your estate. I mean, there's going to be personal items. There's going to be something that got paid out to the to your name after your you died. And guess what? That's that's part of your estate. You yeah. know, and that now becomes a probate asset. So you have to have a uh, a will to, to, to dictate where that goes or it becomes really messy. So get a will. I mean, I think it is a great idea to have beneficiaries on any account that you can possibly have it on. So individual accounts, joint accounts. I like to see beneficiaries so it goes to your kids. Something happens to you. But besides that, you still need to have a will. So that's a very important, you know, prescription of the week. Yeah, and if you if you have minor kids as well, the, inside the will is a custodian is named. Right. <clears throat> also, so if you don't have that in there, the court system is going to determine, you know, if something happened to you and your spouse, um, you know, they're going to determine where your kids are going to go. Absolutely. So these things are important. That's, you know, if you don't have a will, there's great lawyers in the area. We can certainly give you recommendations. There's some online tools as well. So make that a uh, priority in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good, good prescription of the week. And so that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. And link to us there. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can, uh, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 